0: Hey there gigawater gang it's me kina before we get into this episode which you're gonna love my guests were amazing i just wanted to say thank you so much for being so supportive of me taking last week off i really needed that time to just take care of myself listen if you're the person that gave me a three-star rating one time because i talked about my plants you're gonna hate this but i actually spent most of the week gardening and being outside doing my best to keep it together This week has been really hard. I've been struggling and I've been in the dark and twisty place, but I'm okay. I'm taking care of myself. To be completely honest with you, I wasn't sure until a few minutes ago if I was going to have an episode this week. I have been dreading editing because we recorded this episode about 20 minutes after I found out that Amber was put on the ventilator and we do mention her. And we talk about how hopeful we are that she's going to wake up. I knew it was going to be hard to listen to, but I also wasn't sure whether or not I wanted to keep it in because I know it could be kind of painful. But after talking to the Patreon fam and they were all there when we were recording, we decided to keep it in and to keep this episode as a dedication to Amber. And I am going to suck it up and edit. A lot of that has to do with Amber herself. She sent me a card a couple of months ago. I remembered it, so I reread it, and she says, quote, being a part of your podcast has been such a joy, and I can't wait to see how much it grows in 2021. I know you'll get the things you want and more because you deserve them, end quote. So I can't keep growing, and I can't keep reaching for these dreams if I'm not putting out episodes. So here we are. This is Inventions Part 1 with my special guest, Thanks, I Hate It. I absolutely adore them, and you will too. Take it away, Pasquina. Welcome to Historical AF Friends. I'm Kina. I'm Windsor.
1: And I'm Brittany.
0: We are a historian and some special guests here to deliver some eerie and random historical invention nuggets you never knew you needed in your ear holes. Never this knew. is Inventions and or Inventors Part 1. Yeah. No. It's going to be a doozy. It's going nice. to be a something. <laughs> uh, yeah definitely Um, something (laughs) inventors are some eccentric people inventions can be super weird so i'm excited if you've ever had
2: a five-year-old invent something for (laughs) a school project
0: do they still do invent america those competitions for invention i have no
1: idea so listen I don't know if they no sorry, I didn't mean to put my hand up like that. But no, I love it. I, I don't know if they still do that, but when I was in, I want to say 4th or 5th grade, I was a part of an invention project. And so I was a really hairy child. I don't know what's what's going on. I think it's like the German on my mother's side or something. Oh, it's definitely but, the German. Mhm. And so mm-hmm. I made this like razor that attached to the end of like a shaving cream can and I just want you to know that I saw something like that in the store and whoever invented that, I would like them to give me my money because while it sounds a little bit odd and a little bit random, it was a little bit mine. I relate
0: so hard to that. I did Invent America twice and both inventions you can buy now. And it's like, mother, why didn't you patent that shit? Immediately. I would would be rich now and not the poor's. Yeah, we actually did in, I
2: believe it was our Black Excellence episode. We talked about the woman who invented the, the toilet Sanitar- paper holder.
1: No, right? it was the sanitary, sanitary belt, yeah, the
2: sanitary which belt. is
1: like the prototype that began like yeah. pads and other periods. Oh, in like oh, yeah. the 20s or 30s. And because
2: she was, everybody's like, oh, yes, 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 yes. We love it. She came in to pitch it and they saw the color of her skin. They're like. It's not the right time for that right now.
1: And it's not you, it's me.
2: Yeah. 30 years later, it was all the rage.
0: Of course. Because
1: periods were still happening.
2: Imagine. Yeah. Imagine.
0: Why why do we still have these? It's 2021. We rent these out. There's some comedian that's like, if men had to have periods, they would have cured that shit decades (laughs) ago. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was like, that is so true.
1: That is so true. They had
0: cramps, they
1: would be gone. Like, like you know what on. get it in the lab this is a first priority we've got Thanks to get equity. this funded and taken care of no question i know what they probably
2: use to treat it cocaine. Morphe- <laughs>
1: <laughs> no i went the wrong way <laughs> went the wrong way it's always cocaine cocaine is always the answer foreshadowing mm-hmm. we mentioned your podcast
0: but tell them what your podcast is
1: So we are Thanks I Hate It. We're two friends that love to get online. Our episodes come out every Tuesday. We talk about social issues in a way that we feel is funny. I don't know if our listeners think it's funny, but we think it's hilarious. So basically what we do is every week we take one social issue. It could be big, it could be small, it could be left, it could be right. It's usually left though. And we... (laughs) dissect it. We will each bring our own bit of information. I tend to go more research heavy. I want a little bit more history. I want a little bit more, you know, academic paper. Doesn't mean I'm going to quote it accurately or give you real information. It's just, you know, however I interpret it. And then Windsor will bring more examples, more real life context. We put that together into a podcast. We talk about why we hate the issue because Newsflash, the podcast is called Thanks, I Hate It. So it's usually something that we hate. Like castle doctrine, um, racism and sexism and, and um, oh, explicit bias. <laughs> explicit bias, you know, things like that. Once a month, we will do a true crime supernatural episode, but just like with our main episodes, we are also still picking out that very real social issue mm-hmm. generally i mean it's usually it's a little bit smaller in our supernatural yeah. true crime episodes but it's still there it's still something yeah. that one of us will at least address so it's That's very much just fun so yeah. so we do have a few fun episodes um right after the election or right after the election but before the results we were meant to record mm-hmm. an episode and our episodes even though there's funny most of the time sometimes it can get really heavy yeah. and so we decided we weren't even going to do any real research we were just doing straight up making the other person laugh and I think we started laughing maybe 30 seconds in and the episode was entitled try not to laugh did not work laughing yeah. the whole time mostly so Florida it's a- men you know <laughs> Florida men lots yeah. of Florida men doing Florida man things but I mean every now and again so it's kind of like What is that thing called? uh, There we go. I was going to say a quilt. It's a cocaine of things (laughs) that come together every Tuesday.
0: Yeah. I just. And speaking of cocaine,
1: we'll do an episode on that one time too. (laughs) And speaking
2: of cocaine, we'll do cocaine. No, we don't do cocaine. You know, if our bosses are listening. We don't do
0: cocaine. We don't (laughs) do do cocaine. This will make
1: sense once you hear what their topic is like. Yes. <laughs> this is your brain. And it's not cocaine. This is drugs. We are not talking about the invention of cocaine. So. Oh, no. that would be a
0: good one though. Yeah, Discovery, be be missed There's part two.
1: opportunity.
0: <laughs> I will say I am curious cuz I listen to y'all. So 2020 was a dumpster fire and <sighs> being a Social commentary podcast has it been draining on you guys? Have you have find yourselves trying to find more humor in things just because the world around us is garbage? Because I, I can think- imagine
1: it's just <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> you know? I think we were draining on 2020. We went in real hard um, mm-hmm. when we started doing our podcast. We were very focused on like these are our social issues. We talked, I feel like a lot about COVID, and a lot about voting, and a lot about. What, is, what was our first episode? oh we did like toxic fandom so that was yeah. kind of like fun and cheeky but then after toxic fandom we went immediately into all right so these are the problems with covid and how they're doing it at school these are the problems with da da da. and i low-key felt i don't know i felt like we were on a like a john Lovett podcast or something we were going real hard <laughs> real fast except it wasn't as funny so we did kind of take a decline or we kind of chilled out from doing things that were so heavy so often because it Mm -hmm. got to be like, this is supposed to be our escape. This is supposed to be us getting out of that COVID experience. So I went through like a major move and then a major depressive episode right Mm -hmm. after that move in 2020. And so I just... We needed to get out of that space. And so now we do usually once, maybe twice a month, we'll do a really heavy episode. We're still going to laugh at it because that's who we are. We can't turn that off. Mm-hmm. But then for the rest of the month, we'll do like that true crime episode and then usually something funnier or lighter. So yeah. it's learning to like balance we did black that. black tack, you know. And pink like tack. Our- and-
2: yeah. yeah, well, it's a serious issue, but it's not so mentally and emotionally draining like mm-hmm. when you're talking about, you know, police brutality that is extremely draining, and you're talking about COVID that's extremely draining. So we'll just have yeah. a little bit
1: of fun with it, like and during Halloween we had a blast. <laughs> I don't know, we were must have been on cocaine for real in Halloween because we were <laughs> doing two full episodes every week for the entire month of October, and that was only our second mm-hmm. month into the podcast, and so. It was just like, bam, bam, bam. I don't know how we got those edited. I don't know how we got those recorded. We were doing like three hours every Saturday night to get everything done. And so I feel like we kind of turned a corner when we realized, okay, so we're going to keep doing this. We like doing this. We like our podcast. We're going to dial it back a little bit. But then the social issues we are bringing up, you're not seeing them as much on the news. You're not hearing as much about them. You're having to really go dig to get that information. So we're at least giving that a platform. So... We've oh, that's really
0: good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially having a social commentary podcast, it'd be a bit different from what I do because I try to stick with super old things so that I don't necessarily have to, I, I do find it kind of hard to navigate the waters when you're doing, you know, say a true crime podcast doing a case of people that are still alive and the the victim's yeah. families are still alive mm-hmm. and that's got to be super difficult. And then a lot of the social issues that we're having, you know, as a white woman, sometimes I'm like, I'm not really the voice anybody needs to hear. I just want to elevate other voices. So I know it must be really difficult. And I just applaud you guys because you have a lovely podcast and I really do enjoy it.
1: Thanks. Yeah, oh, thank We love that. Although yeah, I, I do
0: have, uh, I mm, okay, your Say urban it. legend episode. The trigger warning for the spider in the oh cheek thing God. came after you talked to me because I'm driving and I was like what in the absolute I was hell? yelling at her. I was like excuse me. <laughs> so when you warning? heard trigger
1: warning? That was her yelling at me because I was just I'm very like straight into the point. Like this is the story and maybe it's just me, maybe it's the line of work that I'm in. Maybe it's like these are the facts. Do you want these facts or not? You don't want them. I'm sorry. Um, you're getting them. It and it's so not just ex-
0: like back, back it up,
1: <laughs> back it all the way up. So, the episode that we're doing next week is our it's a re release of our vampires episode. And Windsor has to do that again in that episode because I'm just like, here are the facts. And she's just like, wait a minute, dial oh, it wow. back. Something so, about my a
0: my dad gave me the quick. Then, crawlies. every <laughs> now and then,
2: you have to get the trigger warning. I'm not even really a trigger warning, but just like a
0: dumbass warning. Well, we were talking about current issues. We were talking about COVID. I've I've mentioned in the last couple of episodes that one of our listeners, part of the Gigwater gang and Patreon fam, and she was the guest on episode 81, Amber. So you know her from somewhere. She's really active on social media. So you guys have probably talked to her. She was put on a ventilator this week and she's been in a induced coma and then today I heard that she's in critical condition. So if everybody just whatever you believe in. If you could pray, light a candle. I listened to a Jewish hymn of healing yesterday and I tried the Hebrew, but it was awful. And I almost recorded it for Amber when she woke up because I knew it would make her laugh. But I forgot. Is she Jewish? No. no. <laughs> but just the absolute butchering yeah, yeah. of Hebrew for me was yeah. probably humorous because my sister just converted to Judaism. Try some um,
1: Arabic because it's Ramadan right now, you know. know, Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. So just all over. I know we've got a lot of candles in the Mm -hmm. in the Patreon fam. So they are all doing their thing. And I know like the agnostics are just sending all their healing energy and the witches are lighting candles. And just if everybody can, you know, just do your thing. She is such a good person. She's I know that it's an Internet thing, right? Like, I met her through the podcast, but she's been more supportive and more lovely than half the people I know in my real life. She's she's Me and Brittany met in the internet. Yeah, and internet friends are the best friends, you know? And she's just so funny and so wonderful. Just all of us together, I think we can just send her all the love she needs to fight this because she's very stubborn. She's got that Louisiana fire in her, you know? Yes, raging Cajun. Yes, she Ooh. she's a fighter, you know. So I almost didn't know if I was going to be able to get through this episode, but then everybody reminded me that she'd kick my ass if I canceled. So mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna try to have some laughs and you know do a good episode. And this is just all for you, Amber. So when you wake up, you can listen to this and yes. be like, "That's me! Yay! Yeah, uh,
1: lots of cocaine for you. <laughs> lots of cocaine for you. All if that's of the what cocaine. You want when you wake up, by all means, we all know no. that." We got to-
0: absolutely and as soon as you're up and everything's safe i we are gonna just go hang out and give you a big hug and i'll bring all the tacos she was craving taco bell and they would not let her have any i'll bring you whatever tacos
1: you want (laughs) Right, (laughs) that is so rude
0: patreon has been the most incredible i say it all the time the community is insane but everybody has just gotten together to put together anything from just a sweet message to chipping in to get her this incredible care package and then also chipping in to help like maybe a cleaning service because she was picked up by an ambulance and her mm-hmm. house she's worried about it being a mess so just the fact that so many kind people are doing so many kind things for her and her boyfriend who you know it's got to be so hard on him and he also lost his father this week so sending all the love to you Joseph too I don't mm-hmm. think you listen to this he thinks my name is Quinoa, and I think that's hilarious but
1: that's not your name <laughs> no. wait in a
0: minute <laughs> All the love to him too, because I can't imagine dealing with a loss during this and then still being worried about your person. Mm-hmm. I lost my dad at the same age, and that's all I had to worry about, and that still sucked. So oh, so yeah, it's really heavy and just again, everybody do a little do a little prayer. And I was telling them and I'll tell you guys. So one of the Patreon fam, she just became a deacon and she's about to become a full ass priest. You guys met her in the religions episode, but I was talking about how I'm kind of in this weird uh, limbo with religion because I don't know, you know, when you study history, you hear about all the bad things about people making things up, you know, and like how churches are. And I've, I, my dad and my grandparents are both in cults, so that's a whole nother story, but religion's just been a weird thing to me, so (laughs) I just casually slip that This is not funny. (laughs) I know. You have to laugh. Like, that's the only way I life, you know, you gotta laugh because otherwise you're crying. So I told her that and I was afraid that God would be like, new phone who dis because I'm not in church. And this was her response. And if anybody needs to hear this, I just thought, you know, you have to. So sorry Marie, I'm reading your text. (laughs) It says, honey, trust me, like Dolly says in Steel Magnolias, quote, God don't care where you are as long as you show up. That's all prayer is really just showing up and offering to God the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I just started blubbering. And I was like, you're going to be the best priest ever.
1: <gasps> That's so awesome. I loved that. Yes, I we know. need a lot more good priests in this
0: world.
2: Good religious leaders in general, not just Absolutely. priests. I'm not going to cry.
0: I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. I've already <laughs> cried on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> so should we bring it <sighs> to cocaine? All right. So yeah. I am going to kick us off with some eerie Side note, I'm trying not to say spooky anymore, because somebody on TikTok told me that there were racial implications of spook, and then I did research, and it's true,
1: <laughs> and so I'm not going to say that anymore. Side note, real quick before you start. So I thought that, but I was also like, "There's, there's got to be intention behind it, <laughs> For, in my opinion, and so my opinion is not all opinions, yeah. even though I would like it to be, but... I'm, I don't know, I'm very big intention. Like, is it your intention to be like that? Yeah. But I do love that you heard something and then you were like, I'm going to make a necessary change for me to feel comfortable doing this. Like that is that's some positive.
0: Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am a big believer. Get educated and then, you know, do better. So that's what I'm definitely trying to do. And I will be switching everything over slowly. But I feel like eerie fits better because some things are not very scary, you know? We're talking about conspiracies or just some weird shit. So we're going to
1: call it eerie now.
0: So I'm going to start with a quote and then I'm going to see if you can guess what inventor I'm talking about.
1: You know we can't. (laughs)
0: Nope. And this is a quote about the person. Not from the person. Okay. 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 Quote It takes a thousand men to invent a telegraph or a steam engine or a phonograph or a photograph or a telephone or any other important thing. And the last man gets the credit. And we forget about all the others. He added a little of his might. That's all he did. These object lessons should teach us that 99 parts of all things that proceed from the intellect of plagiarisms, pure and simple, and the lesson ought to make us modest. But nothing can do that. And that's from Mark Twain.
1: He's obviously talking about New main on TikTok, <laughs> who is stealing everybody's content. Thousand <laughs> percent. That <No>. is it. <laughs> okay. Wait a minute. So yeah. it's eerie. So that's my problem because I had a few people in mind, like the guy whose name I can't remember now that I almost did, who accidentally invented hair relaxer. But that's is- Lewis Latimer. Final answer. Boom. No. <laughs> so I was going to say Thomas Edison. Something too Bell? Marie, uh, Alexander Graham Bell? Brand-Bell. No,
0: Marie's right. Yeah. Marie in the comments for Damn the man, win. It high. is Thomas Edison. She is so smart. She is so smart. Well-rounded. So, yes, Thomas Alva Edison. I didn't know that was his middle name, and I dig Ooh. it. So we're just going to call him Al. <laughs> <laughs> Al! <laughs> yeah, so I figured if you're at home listening to Al. this... But- the plagiarism probably gave it away. He he's got a reputation of stealing some shit, you know. He's very uh, welcome to capitalism. Yes, 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 yes. So this is a very brief history of him, and then we'll go into a little eerie invention that most people don't know he did. Yes. Okay. righty. So Thomas Alva Edison was born on February eleventh, eighteen forty-seven, in Milan, Ohio. I had to look that up.
1: (laughs) Milo! You kids get off my lawn. So in
0: 1854, he was just seven and the family moved to Michigan where Edison spent the rest of his childhood. Al, as he was called by his family as well. So I'm not very creative. Didn't go to school for very long because he did very badly. Not so great. And his mother decided that she was going to teach him because she was a former teacher. And she's like, I can handle his shit. It's fine. I got this. He later said, quote, my mother was the making of me. She understood me and she let me follow my bent. So I thought that was kind of sweet. You know, that's how I feel about my mom. Okay, listen, I don't know how I'm smart. And I say that in all honesty, because the school I went to, I don't recall ever learning anything. Like I remember watching more movies and playing Frisbee and it was schoolhouse rock. <laughs> like me and my sister were having this conjunction junction. What's your function? <laughs> but for real. Okay. So my physics teacher didn't know physics. We spent most of the time playing Frisbee. And then I had a Spanish teacher that didn't know Spanish. And we spent the most that time watching movies. And then she had a chemistry, but we, our school was too poor to have actual chem like chemicals. So they also played Frisbee. Like how, how are we smart? I don't, I don't know. And like, how did we survive college? Because we were not prepared.
1: <laughs> what the <laughs> hell was this school? What?
0: Okay, so like calling that out. But yeah, the school had probably 500 people from like kindergarten to, you know, 12th grade. So it was tiny oh. and it was poor. Yeah, it was great. It was hillbilly school. But the thing that we both have decided is because my mom would see us be interested in something and buy us a book, you know, and that's what he did. Like his mom would buy him books and he learned by himself and that's how i I
1: feel like i relate to him a little bit here shout out to your mom for buying you all of these books to make sure you had what you needed absolutely like there's no way at the library yeah
0: there would be no way i'd be a historian without my mom because all my history teachers sucked they were all like coaches you know because they didn't want to pay extra yes so there's no way i would have if she hadn't have like fostered
1: that so thanks mom she now I'm imagining you and Thomas Edison as little Matildas. Like <laughs> this might be something that I try to edit together when we get off of here. I'm just saying.
0: Yeah. And he yeah. does credit his love of reading for being as smart as he is. And he kept that habit the rest of his life. He also liked to experiment in the basement. Can't relate. I didn't have a basement, but also I didn't have access to chemicals like he's, Somehow did. I don't know. He's just blowing shit up. And everybody's like, that's
1: cool. Little I'm Eddie, you do your thing. Boys will be boys. <laughs> that's exactly what they said. Oh, my gosh. he burned the house down again. Boys will be boys. It's fine.
0: And he also respected the hustle. At the age of 12, he sold fruit, snacks, and newspapers on the train as a news butcher. He even printed his own newspaper eventually called the Grand Trunk Herald on a moving train.
1: Okay, so that is on capitalism. Wow, right? That be- is amazing. What 12-year-old has the business acumen to be like, I will start my own business? The answer is none. Literally <laughs> none. Give me some money. I need some Robux. That's that's what we hear a lot of. You don't hear a lot of, I'm going to enterprise and get yeah. my own money. Oh, To, boy, to make that You're trying to
2: figure out how to hustle to get Robux, though.
1: Mm-hmm. And they true. always
2: think that they're going to make so much money. Like I'm going to sell this game to GameStop, dude. You're going to get a dollar twenty.
0: I will say, I ran a teen center, and it was twelve through eighteen, and those kids could get super creative to come up with money for their video games. Like they, they, they knew the hustle.
1: Love I have respect. I gotta. The love that. more
0: impressive part of this whole train thing is he also set up a laboratory in the baggage car. Okay. I feel like it would shake a lot and yeah. your chemicals need to be pretty stable? Well, he wasn't making meth that's for sure. I mean, I don't know because my school couldn't afford chemistry. So, but I've seen TV and usually yeah, you can't shake shit up. So
2: you, you know.
1: know, I'm just I'm feeling a lot of danger in this area of history. Danger, danger. That's yeah. some good intuition because he had an
0: accidental fire and they oh. made him stop.
1: <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> oh. We had an episode
0: about that too. Accidental fires?
2: No, intuition. Oh. oh yeah.
0: I thought you were going to go to meth lab and I'm like, oh yeah, where I grew up, no. there was a lot of those
2: explosions. Oh yeah, so.
0: we got plenty of those. <laughs> oh my
2: gosh. Oh,
0: man. In a less funny note, this was about oh. the time he started to lose his hearing. Which oh, wow. I don't that's think cool. I knew he was mostly deaf. I don't think that's been a tidbit that I've really learned before, but I guess...
1: I'm shaking my head like I knew. I think I knew, but honestly, I probably didn't. Me and too, I'm
0: like... The, the theories are he might have lost it because he had scarlet fever, which, fun fact, or not so fun fact, I had scarlet fever when I was in elementary school, which is, like, the weirdest shit. Like, who gets scarlet fever? <laughs> Fucking That's like getting rheumatic <laughs> fever now. <laughs> It's That's as cool. as the devil. I don't know. With polio. Yeah. Well, that was luckily eradicated. Or they probably would have had that too. Yeah, I had scarlet fever and it had like 104 temperature and my mom had to dunk me in like an ice bath. It was awful. That's all I remember. I've blocked it all she out. She didn't read about like, the, the rabbit, did she? Uh, does not ring a bell okay because that'd be
2: kind of cruel to read that book to you while you have Damn. scarlet fever.
0: well no we were reading little house on the prairie during that time and freaking sister lost her eyesight from scarlet fever oh and the whole God, time worse. i was like i was like i want to go blind and i was like calm the fuck down and it was just like a whole thing i don't know how i managed to be like the only person i know to ever have that but i did there was also another incident where he was grabbed by the ears and lifted onto a train. And so people were like, well, maybe that made him deaf. But I think the Scarlet Fever sounds kind of like the more. How? I don't know. Maybe if they busted his eardrum, they might not have known. I can't. But I, I'm, I'm not sure. That can rip your ears off your head. Mm hmm. No bueno. His no. ears were cut off. Murray! Oh. No. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> he just growled at the cat. <laughs> Oh, there is a cat. I thought I saw a tail. Named him after Vlad because he's a murderer. He showed up one day just covered in blood, and I thought he was injured, and none of it was his blood, and I still don't know who he killed. So it's a mystery. Start a podcast about it. Yep. I should. There should just be a a podcast. Podcast. Oh god, that's good. We're turning this train
2: around. (laughs)
0: back to train okay so this quote is from the library of congress quote his disability did not discourage him and he often treated it as an asset that allowed him to concentrate on his experiments and research unquote hell of perspective for a 12 year old to be like i'm going deaf but i just want to blow shit up in my chemistry set anyway so it's fine that's and, definitely
2: a 12 year old boy yeah. thing. <laughs>
0: And he was notoriously introverted and he hated people. So, again, I can kind of relate to this guy, which I hate because I've conditioned Mm -hmm. myself to dislike him. But now I'm finding I have so much in common. It's very uh, startling. By 15, he was essentially roaming the countryside as a, quote, tramp telegrapher using Morse code to send and receive messages over the telegraph. At 15, I could barely like the leave hustling. the house. And he's just traveling the American wilderness by train. I mean, there was no speak of family with him. He was just doing his hustling thing. At 12, I was playing Barbie.
1: No, so my son is 15, and he has asked me five questions <laughs> about, can I eat this? do you think we can go to the store to get more propel so that I can drink this water because I can't possibly drink it without something in it do you think we could go buy some chips do you think (laughs) I should go outside so I'm trying to imagine him in a situation where he's roaming the countryside it just it's not they don't build kids the same anymore yeah with a full time job too that's
0: that's a lot of
2: responsibility even
1: for me my son would
2: get kicked off the train because he'd be like would you rather (laughs) Get
1: a million dollars or fight a shark. (laughs) Obviously, get the million dollars. What? Oh, that was an easy one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Come on, Elijah. Get it together. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So even though he had
0: trouble hearing, he could actually hear the clicks of the telegraph. So that was something that he didn't have trouble with. With my, My dad was born premature, So he was mostly deaf, but there were certain noises he could hear really well. He just couldn't understand certain tones, and he had trouble hearing some voices and stuff. So I I can understand how, like, certain clicks and stuff would be easier to hear. But this is also way before hearing aids Mm -hmm. and stuff, so that must have been really difficult. Yeah. My dad also credits his lack of hearing for not getting murdered by John Wayne Gacy because that was his neighbor. (laughs) He's like, if he tried to kill me, I wouldn't have hurt him anyway. I'm like, oh, dad. Oh, Oh, dad. Yeah. Oh, dad. So in the next seven years, he moved over a dozen times, often working all night, taking messages for trains and even for the Union Army during the Civil War. See see what side he fought on? Mm -hmm. The
1: Union side or whatever he was doing. (laughs) I said fought. In
0: in his spare time, he took things apart to see how they worked. And then he finally decided, I'm going to make stuff myself. I'm going to be an inventor. Ah, yeah Ah. i mean a lot of like really smart people (laughs) that are
1: what side of the brain is that right left no right side isn't that the math science side i think so and then the left side i'm pretty sure is like the artsy fartsy side
0: I, i think so the opposite of me brain are the people that like to do that you know people like take things apart and see how it works like my husband took that car apart and just made a new one He wired it without having to look anything up. I don't understand it. My brain does not work that way. So it's it's very impressive. So after the failure of his first invention, the electronic vote recorder, he moved to New York City, which I had to look this up. So this recorder read either yes or no. And it was to replace handwriting. But Washington
1: officials hated it because they thought it would disrupt their voting process. Mm, I bet they did think it was going to disrupt their voting process. I Mm -hmm. bet they did find an issue with it. Yep. I was like, oh, history repeats itself. Oh, my
0: goodness. So he vowed he would never again invent something that didn't have an apparent market. (laughs)
1: oh fuck he was <laughs> like that wasn't my crowd i'm moving on like i will you know what i'm never that's like me when i say something to somebody and they're like oh okay and i'm like you know what he didn't love it he didn't love it go exponentially wild about it i'm done never again <laughs> yeah oh, but he it.
0: did move to new york he improved the stock ticker and that was his big break. And this thing I had to do a goog. They were a special type of telegraph receiver designed to print on alphabetical like company
1: symbols. Stock ticker like the stock market?
0: That's what I thought, but no, it's just like a telegraph type thing, Majig.
1: Um I mean that's that's still cool. I just was a little bit down about it. Okay. It looks like a very pretty decoration. It is. Mm-hmm. It looks like he's about to like make some
2: string string. Like so string. Yeah.
0: yeah so it's like a paper like a sticker tape that went in there and then that would print okay. on it the words so he worked for the gold and stock telegraph company so thanks American Museum of American History for this photo and for telling me what this was because I had no <laughs> idea because I also thought stock market is New York but no
2: <laughs> or something from the Goonies either that
0: yeah and he also improved the telegraph. He made it where it could send up to four messages at once. Ooh, that's like a group text message.
1: Did, did it
2: cost 10 cents each way? <laughs> Was it free after seven?
1: Yes. Oh. He created the Nokia phone.
2: Oh, man. Those next <laughs> out, know the City bus with people talking in their next tells.
0: I blame him for that. <laughs> So during this time, he married his first wife, Mary Stilwell. On Christmas Day, 1871, they had three children, Marion, Thomas Jr., and William. Wanting a quieter spot to do more inventing, he moved from Newark to uh, Menlo Park. Am I saying that right in New Jersey? Yeah, sure. Okay. And that was 1876. (laughs) And it was there that he built his famous laboratory. 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 So he was not alone in Menlo Park. Edison hired muckers, quote, unquote, to help him out. And these came from all over the world to make their fortune in America. They often stayed up all night working with, he called himself the chief mucker. And they also called him the wizard of menlo park which i just find a little ridiculous he probably called himself
1: that and it's like let's make this catch on yeah he's like you (laughs) know what every everybody's saying this and they're like stop trying to make fetch happen it's not gonna happen (laughs)
0: like for real everybody says this you just say it please
1: (laughs) just just do this i'm gonna put it in my stock ticker and then it's gonna come out the other way and just read it when it comes out (laughs) (laughs) i said Uh, what i said
0: so he created two of his three greatest works there so the phonograph was the first machine that could record the sound of someone's voice and play it back in 1877 edison recorded the first words on a piece of tinfoil he recited the nursery rhyme mary had a little lamb and then the phonograph played the words back to him
1: this was invented by a
0: man whose hearing was so poor he thought he was pretty much deaf so, fun fact: Al suggested using "hello" when he picked up the phone. He was the first person to say that. Before then, everybody'd be like, "Are you there?" or "Do I get you?" when they answered. So, he's one like "hello" is more efficient. Let's just say one thing. Okay. You know, I which is like fun because that's what most of us say today, unless I'm trying to be super fancy, and then I'll be like "keena speaking" or something. I don't know. I sound stupid when I say it, but like answer I answer "yeah."
1: <laughs> no, so I'm trying to get out of answering "yeah." So on my work phone, I have a very firm greeting, and it it's very firm. It's too firm, I've been told. And I just say, like, my title and my last name. I'm like, da-da-da-da, Brittany, or Willingham. And they're just like, oh, oh. So when I answer my personal phone, I do say hello. If I answer it, I don't answer it a lot.
0: Hello. So, yeah, I try
1: to kick it old school and go with a nice, gentle hello. <laughs> From
0: 1878 to 18... 18- um, I didn't finish that number.
1: Whoops, so, something. <laughs> I just went 188. I don't know You're, which one for You're a couple
2: 18, years. 18 fill
1: in the blank. You know what? It is your turn to do some homework. Yeah. Listeners, <laughs> it out. so around 1878,
0: Edison and his <laughs> associates worked on one of his greatest achievements. They had at least 3,000 different theories on how to develop the efficient incandescent light bulb. Okay, yeah, 3,000 theories. And others had worked on it, so he wasn't the first one, but they were too expensive or burned out really fast, so they just weren't working on the things that existed. So he set about creating one that was practical and fixed these problems. And many of those men who pioneered the light bulb before Edison, like Joseph Swan, actually openly admired his solution, you know, to a very tough engineering problem. And he thought of everything. Like, he even sought out, like, vegetation from the Amazon or whatever to see, like, what would work as a filament. So he spent a lot of time trying to fix that problem. And he also designed a system of power plants that make electrical power and the wiring that brings it to people's homes. So he had a lot of ideas. So a lot of the things that we have today is because of he took something somebody else did and then kind of fixed their problems, but he gets all the credit for it. Mm. Therein lies Mm. a lot of the problems with it. Typical man. Yeah. So in 1885, one year after his first wife died, Edison met a 20-year-old woman named Mina Miller. Her father was an inventor in Edison's home state of Ohio, and he taught her Morse code. And I thought this was kind of cute. So even when other people were around, they could talk to each other secretly through Morse code. through like tapping on their hands and stuff. Aww. And then one
1: day he typed, will you marry me? And she typed back, yes. Aww. That's so sweet. And there's actually a scene in 30 Rock like that. What's his name? Alec Baldwin's girlfriend. It's it's a wild ride to get to the scene. So there's <laughs> a lot going on. But basically, she has this whole Morse code conversation with the man that she ends up marrying. There's, was, I mean, it's a comedy show. So it's a very dirty conversation they were apparently having with Morse code. But... This was something that was enacted on television. How cute. That
0: is cute. It's very romantic. Mina wanted a home in the country, so he bought Glenmont, a 29 room home. Wowza, with 13 acres. Right? Damn. I'll I'll take one. And they married on February 24th, 1886, and they had three children also Madeline, Charles, and Theodore. And then, Theodore. theodore And then a year later he built the laboratory in West Orange that was ten times larger than his one before. That's so big. In fact, it was the largest laboratory in the world. <laughs> just, I just think like mad scientists every time I see laboratory. Like, whoa, 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 everything We're pinky in the brain. We're pinky in the <laughs> brain. Oh, solid cartoon. Yes. So this lab was equipped with a machine shop a phonograph a photograph department a library ancillary buildings for metallurgy chemistry woodworking and galvanometer testings which i didn't know what that was and that's an instrument for detecting and measuring small electric currents okay and he was decked out and well into the night laboratory buildings glowed with electric light while the wizard and his muckers turned edison's dreams into inventions Once, Edison worked for three days straight, taking only short naps. He developed nearly half of his 1,093 patents while at West Orange. Okay.
1: That's a lot of patents. You know what it is, but... Mm -hmm. If you can get it, I'm not I'm not going to fight you <laughs> on it. That's true. So mm. not only did he improve
0: the phonograph, like we said before, he also worked on x-rays, alkaline batteries, and he helped with the first talking doll, which I'm just not about. Talking dolls are all demons. That's just facts.
1: That's reality. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing around that. That's just terrible. Yeah. Thanks a lot, mm-hmm. Thomas
0: Edison. <laughs> and also, okay, so... This minor trigger warning. I'm not going to go into details. So, West Orange is also where he experimented with electrocution as a more humane and efficient way to euthanize animals. And I just can't mm. with this topic. So, we're going to move on. But essentially, he was trying to be like, it's before this, they would either use drowning or hanging for animals, which is Damn. just freaking horrific. And then there's that whole thing. On One's topsy. worse than the other. Yeah. Yeah. So, there's the whole thing on Topsy. And like historians are kind of. All over the place because a lot of people blame Edison for electrocuting that elephant because the elephant was sentenced to death for killing three trainers. And newer people are saying that Edison didn't have anything to do with it, but he just had experimented with this and that's how they knew to do it. But I don't want to talk about the elephant because I love Mm -hmm. elephants. But if you do want to read on it, there's an article. Mm -hmm. It's Edison.Rutgers.edu. Slash Topsy.edu. HTM and it's in the show notes you can read on it. it's really interesting but it's just also a lot of animal cruelty and it makes me sad oh makes me more sad oh. as they thought that they were doing they were being humane and they were just not so times oh, wow. have changed and they didn't realize how bad it was but it was still really horrible and I just hate it anyway at Westwich he also worked for okay. one of my favorite inventions movies motion pictures. Ooh. Though it was actually invented by his associate, William K. L. Dixon, Edison took credit for it for that. And the kinetograph, a motion picture camera, and the kinetoscope, a motion picture peephole viewer. And I talked about all this in really, really fine detail in the movie episode, so you can go back and listen to that. So when Dixon aided competitors, when they were developing another one, he helped, and then Edison fired him, and it was like whole thing. During the 1920s, Edison spent much of his time at home, and he continued to experiment. On October 14, 1931, he lapsed into a coma, and he died four days later at his estate in Glenmont in West Orange, New Jersey. During his lifetime, he managed to become not only the most renowned inventor in the world, but also a prominent manufacturer and a businessman through merchandising of his inventions. So the whole world called him a genius, unless you're one of the people he stole stuff from. And... (laughs) Which is also ironic because one of its most popular quotes is "quote Genius is one percent inspiration, ninety nine percent perspiration." So that's kind of interesting to him. Ew, he just stinky. thought he was, you know, improving things. But a lot of people kind of got stepped on. So uh, you know, but that's just history. You know, the people who that get that's just are capitalism. Usually. It's true. Yeah, it is on capitalism. So Leonard DeGraff, who's an archivist at the Thomas Edison National Historical Park in New Jersey and the author of Edison and the Rise of Innovation, put it pretty well. He says, quote, though, the light bulb, the phonograph and moving pictures are touted as Edison's most important inventions. Other people were already working on similar technologies. If Edison hadn't invented those things, other people would have. So even his archivist is like, obviously these things were going to happen no matter what. He was just able to perfect them before everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, then and he got all the credit. Yeah, so you can all have a good idea. And that's why a lot of people want to get patents because then you get credit and then people can add on to your patent. Mm-hmm. But you have to have
2: your Or you can sell
1: it and make a lot of money. Yeah.
2: Or make
0: not
1: a lot of money. Yes. Yeah. Then don't sell that's it. It's true.
2: <laughs> and then and then somebody in some rinky dink sweatshop is just going to steal it anyway. So, what does it matter?
0: That's true. So, plot twist in the whole point of this whole segment, because I said it was eerie. <laughs> in the late oh. 1920s, not long before his death, Thomas Edison reportedly gathered with scientists from all over in a secret laboratory to record voices in the presence of the dead. Oh, no. Ooh, he made an EVP. Yeah, they use speakers, generators, and other experimental equipment, Modern Mechanics magazine alleged after the fact in 18... That's not it. October 1933. (laughs) I can English. Fuck. All right. The magazine article described Edison's machine in which a tiny pencil of light coming from a powerful lamp bored through the darkness and struck the active surface, which could detect the smallest particle. These particles would be proof of the afterlife, physical bits of the human personality left in the atmosphere waiting to be discovered. Unfortunately, after tense hours spent watching the delicate instruments, nothing happened. Which is why the magazine adds we've never heard of this because it was just a big womp, womp, womp
1: you know. <laughs> I'm imagining them sitting in there for hours waiting for this thing to move. Yeah, they seem pretty confident that it would. <laughs> what <Would've> letdown!
0: let <laughs> so disappointing. down. But there are scientists. I mean, any scientist has failed. Every experiment's failed before you get it right. That's right. That's just part of the game. But full disclosure, that specific account might have been some paranormal propaganda for the magazine's October issue. Damn it. So it can go either way here. Mm -hmm. It's unclear if that exact scene occurred. There's ample proof that Edison was interested in speaking to the dead through technology. So it's not completely made up. In 1920, the inventor shocked the public when he told American magazine Scientific America, quote, I have been at work for some time building an apparatus to see if it's possible for personalities which have left this earth to communicate with us, end quote. He added that this new invention would not function by any occult, mystifying, mysterious, or weird means employed by so-called mediums, but by scientific methods. He also said, I am engaged in the construction of one such apparatus now, and I hope to be able to finish it before very many months pass. So it seems like he was on to something.
1: He definitely was involved in it. it. Yeah.
0: And fun fact, after this interview, the magazine received over 600 letters to the editor of people just obsessed with this idea. But This is also 1920. And if you listen to the Games Part 1 episode when I talk about spiritualism and the Ouija board, after wars, Mm. people are super into contacting the dead because so many people died. So it makes sense that this time period would be the one where people are like, yes, give me that right now. I need it.
1: Give it to me. Mm.
0: This idea became known as a spirit phone which you know what wait what the idea became known as the spirit phone okay okay and a lot of historians for a while thought this invention was a joke or a hoax since there were no blueprints no prototypes and nobody's ever actually found a spirit phone and Mm. some historians argue that edison was trying to use this to take advantage of the people suffering and grieving the loss of their dear ones during World War One. Oh. But again, like historians can be biased because there's a lot of people that hate Edison and love Tesla. And those people are really hard on Edison. So you kind of have to pick and choose your sources and read right. a bunch of them to kind of differentiate. So I added that just because that is a thought in the community, but I don't buy it because it's very i mean he didn't like people but he never invented things just to purposely hurt anybody before this so why would he it right. now so while he might not have actually contacted the dead there's evidence that he experimented with the idea in 2015 okay it's about to be some french and i'm gonna butcher it yes let's do it journalist philippe Baudouin found a rare okay. version of edison's diary in a thrift store in france can you imagine finding thomas edison's goddamn diary
1: in a thrift store so i feel like i would think it was fake like what dumbass <sighs> kid did I this would still buy it oh of course still buy it oh, and be yeah. like oh
2: how much is this okay thousand percent
1: but
0: I—that's I, my dream—is to find either a lost piece of art or something like a book. Become a millionaire. That happened yes. to one of my professors when I was in college. She was the expert in this guy named Simeon Solomon. He was the first openly gay Jewish artist, and she became an expert in him and found one of his lost paintings and then sold it at freaking—what is it? Christie's in London for like eight point something million dollars. Brilliant here, Thomas Edison. So this version of the diary includes a chapter that was not printed in the widely known version of it.
1: Ooh.
0: So the missing chapter was dedicated to the theory of the spirit world and how it might be possible to contact it. This chapter also shows that he made a pact with an engineer working with him, William Walter Dinwiddie.
1: That's my cousin. <laughs>
0: <I love laughs> that whoever would die first would try to send the other a message from the beyond. Okay. So we we plan that too. I mean, I mean, everybody should have a person to do that with. It just makes sense to me very much. So today, there's probably a lot of people that would be more skeptical about a spirit phone, but in the 1920s, the idea really slapped because spiritualism, everybody was into it. It was going strong in the United States, and they even called themselves phone (laughs) voyants. That's so cute, (laughs) that's adorable. And they claim that they could harness the electric signals in conventional phones to interpret spirits.
1: They're going to make that hotline bling.
0: (laughs) 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 And also during this time, radio was super hot. So the idea of information traveling wirelessly through space and time made perfect sense to them. And they're like, well, why couldn't it work for dead people too? It works for us. And I mean, radio was still so new. People didn't quite understand that either it has a lot of appeal. If you lose somebody, you want to talk to them. And, you know, Mm -hmm. if it's a new grief, you're desperate. So you'll do anything. Edison believed that life was indestructible and that the quantity could never be increased or decreased. He theorized that like our bodies, our personalities have a physical form made of tiny entities similar to our current view of atoms. So he thought these entities might exist after humans pass away and that our personalities are essentially residue of memories and thoughts. And they're just floating around us. And he's like, I just want to catch that. I just need a little bit of it. And if these particles existed, he reasoned that they could collect them and they could amplify them in his device. So that's just kind of an interesting theory. Mm-hmm. Instead of just like a spirit, just little particles of your personality. I wonder if you have a big personality if your particles are bigger. Some people are just like,
2: you know. I have big particles and a big personality. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Mm-mm. and i did see that he corresponded with british inventor sir william crooks who claimed to have captured images on spirit photographs which were also super hot at this time and that supposedly encouraged him so the first photos of ghosts he was like see i'm on something
1: we got this spirit photographs spirit phones i just feel like we need one spirit cell phone and
0: then mm-hmm. you can do two
1: one time two birds one stone
0: and it's also mm-hmm. really funny, like he's super into this, but he was really throwing shade at anybody else that <laughs> believed in this. So he criticized unscientific qualities of mediums and he called them crude and childless or childless. <laughs> it's <not> childless, childless <laughs> <Crude> <laughs> and
1: childless. How rude. Dang, that's super uh- shady. <laughs>
0: So since Edison's death in 1931, ghost communicating hopefuls have been looking for the blueprints because they want to make one and prove it. In 1941, yeah. researchers tried to replicate the spirit phone and call the inventor up after they believed they were instructed to do so by Edison's spirit via a medium, which he hated. Why would he talk to one? He didn't. believe um, it. I was and- so excited.
1: And then they just kind of deflated.
0: Yeah. Quote, alas, the contraption did not seem to successfully transmit any life units. That was from Stefan who writes this in the anthology Spirited Things. Sounds like a very solid, credible source. Absolutely. And people still want to use the technology for detecting and communicating with ghosts, though the gadgets have evolved. Like we have EVP report recorders now, electronic voice phenomenon, and some cost ghost hunters use ghost detecting apps like you can download those. And then in 2002, the late Frank Sumpton claimed ghosts could speak just as spiritual as hoped for. And he used a special radio called Frank's Box. <laughs> I guess it's kind of like a spirit box. And it was supposed to detect frequencies in the world beyond. So we don't know if Edison was correct. Nobody's going to know this. We don't know if our personalities have physical entities or whatnot. But people are still holding on to hope that his blueprints are somewhere lost. Probably in some weird thrift shop somewhere. And that when we figure it out, we can uh, talk to him. I mean, there's been a lot of people. Like I said, 1941, somebody in a seance thought they talked to him. And another one in 1959, we're like, we totally talked to him. But again, didn't pan out. Womp womp. womp, womp. So it's, it's left to your imagination if you believe this or not <laughs> <laughs> i want to believe i do mm-hmm. but i just i i've never <sighs> science can pretty much explain a lot of it
2: not like boards,
0: no. yeah like ouija boards a lot of science a lot of mm-hmm. other stuff uh, i mean i've had experiences with like Still not messing with it. yeah oh no i don't know nope, demons <laughs> <laughs> no
1: <laughs> because that'll be the one time something happens the one time yeah. you say you know what I don't believe in this science that's the one time yeah mm-hmm.
0: and I believe people that think they've you know met a demon yeah the, specific, um,
2: yeah, the specific demon that is in that which I'm not going to say their name yeah don't, don't do that no, no 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 is yeah. it the ho yeah, watch- ho
0: demon basically yes mm, yeah I don't. I don't fuck with that mm. guy
1: we just call him Ho-Ho, because no, no. I think he's the one if you say the name, he can show up. Yeah. I don't want to say it in my head. Nope. So I'm glad that I don't know what you all are talking about, <laughs> and I'm just going to stay on my side of things, of not knowing. I learned about it in a
0: podcast.
1: So did I. Shout
0: right. out to him. That's why we drink.
2: <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's where I learned it. Oh, I don't man. play that stuff. Uh,
0: Mm-mm. Nope. Mm-mm. Shut it down. So I have a rosary. Not Catholic, but you never know. <laughs>
2: Like five <laughs> times, and I'm like, like you know out. what I'm, I'm gonna need."
0: It's true. It's true. All right, you guys ready? Yes. Talk yes. about some cocaine. Yes.
1: yes, we are not talking about the <laughs> discovery of cocaine, though. I just want to make that very, very clear. So, cocaine? one, I I like that you went first because I feel like if you're gonna start with inventions and inventors, why not start with Thomas Edison, like the ultimate inventor of Taking other people's shit. (laughs) So (laughs) that's not who I'm talking about today. I'm going to talk briefly about a person and then get into what they invented. So I am talking about John Stith Pemberton. What a name. Yeah. So, and the stith is very important, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. So, Mr. Pemberton was born in 1831 in Knoxville, Georgia, not to be confused with Knoxville, Tennessee, which is what all of my notes say. He was not born in Tennessee. (laughs) He was born in Knoxville, Georgia. This is about an hour and a half south of Atlanta, Georgia, which for anybody who doesn't know, Atlanta, Georgia and the rest of Georgia, two different places. They don't even have the same mother. They have the same father, (laughs) not the same mother. Mm -hmm. So... Mr. Pemberton was raised in Georgia, as yours truly was. He also went to pharmacy school. I don't know what the actual name of it is or was back in the day. And so Mm. I'm not, I'm just going to call it pharmacy school. He went to pharmacy school. I didn't, which is where I went wrong. But he went to pharmacy school. He finished all of his pharmacy schooling and his medical degree by the age of 19. Unlike the people on our podcast who kind of got through high school by the age of 19. But, you know, we struggled. (laughs) So... (laughs) Mr. Pemberton worked in medicine until the time that the Civil War broke out. So, John Stith Pemberton joined the Confederacy. Boo. We hate it. Ew. And it is important. The Stith is important because there was a John C. Pemberton who oh. also fought in the Civil War. He was a very prominent soldier in the Civil War. And actually... If we were the people that used Wikipedia for everything, this would have gotten me tripped up because what Wikipedia has is half of John C. Pemberton's bio under John Stith Pemberton. It's very mixed up. Also, oh. I wrote jokes to myself in this, and it says... <laughs> I love it. It says there are so many Johns in this story, it looks like an episode of Law & Order SVU. <laughs> so... Mr. John Stith Pemberson, that's the one we're keeping. Mr. John C. Pemberton, we will see you later. So now I'm just going to call him Pemberton because we're not doing anything with this other guy anymore. So Pemberton rose to the rank of lieutenant colonel in the Confederacy. We still hate that. And literally hours before Robert E. Lee surrendered at Appomattox Courthouse, Pemberton was slashed across the chest with a saber in the Battle of Columbus. So this was considered the last great battle of the Civil War on the east of the Mississippi River. So this was literally the battle that was happening right before the surrender. So he slashed across the chest real quick. If you slash me across the chest, just kill me because I'm not coming back from this. Yeah. I'm not trying. Mm-hmm. I'm not making any attempts. Just lay me out. Pemberton did not get laid out. He was still alive. So <laughs> he survived and he ended up with quite the morphine addiction. I can um, imagine. Yeah. He was on that stuff. But you know what? Again, he got sliced completely open across the chest. He survived whatever. Not whatever yeah. is very big deal to him, obviously now he's addicted to morphine. Coming out of the Civil War, so many soldiers were addicted to morphine because mm. one, you could get morphine. Opium was available. It was hot and ready like a Krispy Kreme donut. <laughs> like Literally, the hot light is on for opium, for morphine. You can get it everywhere. We're in an epidemic right now of opioids, and like this was another epidemic prior, but we're not doing as much work. Like you don't have suboxone and methadone and naloxone, whatever, then you literally just got to deal with it. And I will get to how he dealt with it in just a minute. So you can get this shit everywhere and you don't need a prescription for it. And so real quick, I want to go into patent medicines because this is where the idea for Coca-Cola came from the patent medicine industry. So patent medicines are trademark medications that are basically a concoction of a variety of substances that are often considered to be exotic, which personally, I hate the word exotic because I just feel like it, I don't know, it's placing something that you're not familiar with on this pedestal. And it's just like, it's so exotic. And it's Mm -hmm. like, actually, it's from Arkansas and (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't have to be exotic, but these medications that don't pres- require a prescription are used to cure a variety of ailments. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that somebody else besides me will get this reference. But when I was reading about patent medications, I automatically thought of Perelli's Miracle Elixir from Sweetie Todd. If you don't oh, get yeah. it, boom Windsor was like, I'm gonna Google this. And I was like, <laughs> God damn it.
0: <laughs> and um, I know
1: she knows it, like. If she was watching the movie, but it mm-hmm. killed me. But oh, if yeah. that's not your vibe, I personally, I think of like current day dietary supplements, anything that doesn't have to go through the FDA. Um, oh, yeah. I think of like essential oils where they're just like, oh, you know, just pour this essential oil in your bath and it'll cure your cancer or whatever they're saying. Snake oils, um, ginger ale and vapor rub. Listen, it doesn't it doesn't cure everything. Um, but that's basically what. me. Lies. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Mute yourself again, Windsor. We are not talking to you. <laughs> we are not talking to you right now. We are talking about Coca-Cola. Basically, that is what your patent medicine is. You don't need a prescription. Anybody can get into the game. And so, in the nineteen, the nineteen, so in the eighteen seventies, Pemberton says, "You know what? I'm tapping in. I've got this sick morphine addiction." I need some money for more morphine. I know I'm saying it like it's funny. It's not funny. But this is just reality. I need money in general because we have reached the gilded age of American history. And we've got immigration and urbanization and capitalism. And we've got all of these things happening all right now. we got to get some serious cash. So he says, I'm going to start working with locals in my area. I'm going to start working on my own. I'm going to do something to make some money. I'm getting in the patent game. Tag me in. So he starts working for a variety of different concoctions. Most of them do not pan out. In addition to making money with his future patent medicine, he hasn't come up with it yet. He's working on it. He's kind of like me when I'm trying to, I'm like, I've got all these ideas, but then I don't actually do it yet. That's where he's at. He's at the, I've got an idea stage, but I haven't actually done it yet. So in addition to pre-planning his pre-planning on getting his <laughs> patent medicine done. Oh, hard relate. That's not yeah. what I end it, up being. It, it's hard. It's real hard. There's another reason that Pemberton wanted to work on a patent medication. And this other reason is actually how we got Coca-Cola. Pemberton, like I said, had this crazy morphine addiction. It wasn't crazy for the time, but it was pretty serious. He got slashed in the chest during the Civil War. He's experiencing a lot of pain. He's got to get through this. So he says, you want to know what? Why don't I make a patent medicine that will cure me of my morphine addiction? So then I don't have to go to a doctor. You know, I don't have to deal with these other things. I can do it myself. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. the way that he felt was going to help him cure that morphine addiction was getting cocoa leaves, which is the extract from them is what we get cocaine from. So Mm -hmm. if we take all of that, we cut out the middle pieces. He basically is trying to cure his morphine addiction with some cocaine. And that is why we continue to say cocaine, because that is what we are working with, literally. Wow. Cocaine. I know. I know. I feel like I've never said cocaine so many times in my life. I don't think I have either. (laughs) So Pemberton continues to work as a pharmacist because remember, he went to pharmacy school. He finished by the time he was 19, all throughout the 1870s. So he's also starting to work with local businesses in his area. Like, listen, do you want to team up with me? Let's make some money together. Cool. Let's make some concoctions. Nothing really pans out. So there are a variety of reports on how he ended up with the concoction that became Coca-Cola. Some people paint him as like the mad scientist and he's got a lab and he's in there and he's mixing things together and poof, one day we've got Coca-Cola. Other people paint him as like this country farmer that's working in his backyard and he poof ends up with Coca-Cola. I think he's probably working in his backyard. It's the middle of Georgia. You know, you do a lot of shit in your backyard. I do a lot of stuff in my backyard. So we're gonna go with working in his backyard because there's so many mixed opinions, and this is my research. And so I said he was working in his backyard. Yes. And boom. Damn. I I just changed history. He now watched. <laughs> Going find out later that he was in this like freaking lab. <laughs> so he's working in his backyard. It's reported, so, the date changes. I'm going to say sometime between the 1870s and the 1880s. A lot of places like to say 1886, but that's not the date, and I will tell you why in a minute. But Pemberton is mixing all this shit together because he's looking for an American alternative to Angelo Mirani's Vin Mirani Cocoa Wine. Oh. It is a patent medication from French inventor and chemist. I'm sorry with my hands. I just I'm trying to get this out. <laughs> He's a French inventor and chemist named Angelo Morani. And I think I said that wrong so many times. It sounds good to me. Thank you. So <laughs> good enough. Thank you. So it is a wine where he utilized the cocaine from the cocoa leaf and he sold it with the understanding that it will increase your appetite and your energy and your mood. And so he came up with this. Pemberton found out about it because while it was all the rage in Europe, it slowly came across the Atlantic Ocean. It came over here. Everything's chill. Everything's cool. And he's like, I want one of those. So he's in his backyard. He makes this concoction. He calls it Pemberton's French Wine Cocoa. So it's a drink made with wine. The cocaine. Or cocoa extract and the cola nut. And this is a drink that would later become part of what we know as Coca Cola. Pemberton marketed it as a patent medication used to cure nervous disorders, headaches, and other ailments. So, like checking all my boxes, bam, bam. I want some. I also wrote, and erectile dysfunction. Comma or question mark, and apparently there were people and places that did market this while it was out as something that would help with your sexual drive. So, boom, like Energizer Bunny, exactly. I mean, cocaine to stimulate. We're pumping blood. We're stimulating things. Just saying. Mm So people are starting to get into this drink, including reportedly Ulysses S. Grant, who was drinking it while he was writing his autobiography. And so I thought that was very interesting. Like this little drink in Georgia is getting some traction, it's getting some play outside of Georgia, and it's made it all the way to Ulysses S. Grant. I'm going to Google how
0: fast he wrote that book tomorrow when I (laughs) look at my note that I'm writing. (laughs) Like three
1: minutes. He got this shit done immediately because he was drinking Pemberton French wine cocoa. I hope somebody recorded how fast that was. (laughs) I'm going to Google it. (laughs) Uh, Please do. And please let me know the answer. I will. I will. So a lot of people are getting into it until prohibition hits Atlanta And they are saying, hey, dude, we're really into this idea. We like that you're so enterprising. This is a direct quote, by the way. We think Mm -hmm. it's really cool that Mm -hmm. you're very enterprising. um, But that has alcohol in it, and we're not here for it. And so Pemberton, being the original gangster, being the original inventor of soft drinks in the United States, specifically in Atlanta, Georgia, can't really say he's the original inventor of anything else. (laughs) (laughs) But he says, okay, that's totally cool. So he takes the wine out. He adds a few other things, tons of freaking sugar. going to That's reality. Keeps the cola nut. He keeps the cocaine or the extract from the cocoa plant, but I'm just going to keep calling it cocaine. Keeps all of that. And he brands this syrup Coca-Cola and cola is spelled with a K for the cola nut. Oh. And yeah. And so he says, all right, that's cool. I can sell this without the wine. I don't need people to be drunk to like my stuff. I mean, he probably did because whatever. I mean,
0: you got cocaine and sugar. Uh, What else do you need, really? Wine.
1: (laughs) That's a wine. Mm -hmm. But that's fine because he slowly starts to make some traction. And his friend Frank Robinson actually says, you know what? I like the idea. I like that you were able to get a patent on this because he did patent the syrup under the Coca-Cola with a K name. And he says, but what if you change that K to a C and we make it Coca-Cola with a C? Like, don't you like that? Doesn't that look very stylized and nice? And Pemberton says, that's cool. I'm into it. And in 1887, he Registers Coca Cola with a C syrup and extract with the patent office. So now he's making some traction. Here's a problem though people don't like this shit. Doesn't matter that it's got cocaine in it, they're not really into it. So he starts trying to, because he's forever like a businessman, and I'm really into the idea of him being a businessman. So he starts reaching out to druggists and people in this area, and he's just like, listen, I had this problem. I have this drink. Nobody's buying it. Can we hook up your drug office or your your store and my drink? And they're like, yes, we can do that. And so Jacob's Pharmacy in Atlanta, 1886, first glass of Pemberton's new Coca-Cola drink is served. It slowly starts to gain traction, but... If you thought that the cocaine cured his morphine addiction, you were wrong. Oh, oh no! Because no, he's ma'am. still addicted to morphine, and now yes. in he's 1888, also addicted to his Coca-Cola. Oh. <laughs> he also has stomach cancer. What the hell? Ooh. yeah. So we're addicted to morphine. We've got stomach cancer. So a local businessman named Asa Candler. I cannot say his name any better than that because I was saying it as Asa, but that reminded me of Massa, And then it reminded me of ass. And so <laughs> we're just going to call him Asa Candler. Says, hey, dude, I know you were on your last leg. I know you've got the stomach, can- stomach cancer and this wicked morphine addiction. I will buy this from you and you'll have tons of money and I'll be out of your life. And you don't have to deal with Coca-Cola anymore. And Pemberton says... All right, cool. So, on his deathbed, he sells Coca-Cola for $2,300, which in today's currency would translate to about $64,000. So, that's on inflation. That still seems
0: really low.
1: Um, for sure. But, <laughs> <laughs> but Pemberton, so, I, I'm saying it like it's a good thing. It's not a good thing. That's super low. He does die very shortly after selling it. So, he didn't really have enough time to spend all of it, which... It's still totally fucked up, but Asa Candler takes the recipe and the trademark that he are, that's owned by Pemberton, files a gang of trademarks and patents for Coca-Cola, makes hella money, Coca-Cola is the number one selling soft drink in the world. They treated this recipe like it was made of gold, like you could not get access to this. They actually had—I read in an article, um, and when I send you all of my citations, I'll send you this too. I read in an article that they had it in a bank vault forever, and I think it was in 1988. The New York Times, of course, the New York Times did this. <laughs> the New York Times met somebody that had seen it, and they were just like, "This is the recipe to Coca-Cola," and it Ooh. was a huge scandal big deal because nobody was supposed to see that it was supposed to be for top tier dudes so mm-hmm. that's the invention of coca-cola and wow, initially i was going to do some wild shit but then i needed to bring it back down and so that's how we ended up in soft drinks <laughs> 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 but we i wanted there to still be some sort of social issue so in the coca-cola family is do you say fanta or fanta windsor Fanta. Okay, so that's wrong. It's Fanta. Oh, it's I can Fanta. Say wrong, too. Yeah, I think it is Fanta, but I don't like the way that sounds. So, <laughs> <laughs> so okay, it's not official.
0: <laughs> no, so
1: I'm the one making all of these executive decisions, you guys. Okay. I mean, that <laughs> checks out. <laughs> it does. It tracks very well. But there are some social shady shit uh, that goes along with the invention of Fanta. And yeah. I figured they're under the Coca-Cola umbrella. They were the second brand brought in under the Coca-Cola umbrella. So Winder's actually going to talk about the invention of Fanta. Fanta. <laughs> so
0: when did everybody, you
2: think of Fanta? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everybody
0: tell us below. Comment <laughs> how you say it. Everybody's going to say Fanta because, Fanta. listen, I don't
1: understand why it's such a problem.
0: Team Brit, Team Windsor. Let's go,
2: <laughs> Fanta. Anyway, mm. so
0: <laughs> when you think
2: of Fanta, you probably think of Kenan and Kel. Is it true? Mm-hmm. I, do, it I, you, do, I, I do. I do. Well, I do. do I... <laughs> or maybe you even think of a sickly sweet syrup you have to drink to check your sugar when you're pregnant.
1: Dang! I
2: still can't. I still can't drink orange soda to this day. No.
1: Oh my god. But
2: but what I bet you don't think about is Nazi Germany.
1: Mm, mm, uh-uh. Facts. That's reality. In nineteen
2: twenty three, Robert Woodruff was elected president of the Coca-Cola company and he wanted to expand the brand and make it a worldwide name. However, international demand for the brand was relatively low and outside of the states, production wasn't exactly the best. In fact, a French Coke manufacturer accidentally made consumers sick with unhygienic bottling practices.
1: Damn. No, no,
2: yes. No. So they fucked up. But he persisted. Nevertheless. Uh, the foreign, <laughs> I was going to say it, but I was like, no, this is a man. He doesn't get to nevertheless. <laughs> <laughs> um, the foreign department, later to be known as the Coca-Cola Export Corporation, was born. Over 27 countries had official plants set up, and Coca Cola oversaw all of them. Coca Cola provided them the flavor and um, the flavor syrup, and each country provided its own bottling system and sugar. And a global boom began, as it does. Coca Cola sponsored the 1928 Summer Olympics in Amsterdam, and Coca Cola became a household name worldwide. It quickly became a brand. Mm-hmm. I don't think they had cocaine in it
1: anymore. They thing, did though. it. They did <laughs> it. Cocaine did not last uh, very long in Coca-Cola, you guys. It did not last no. very long.
2: No, I mean they just replaced it. Things are probably worse for you. It quickly became a brand associated with Americana and a patriotic American icon across the world. All good, right? <laughs> and I'm sure you guys are asking, what the fuck does this have to do with Fanta? Well, we're gonna get to it. So, as Hitler rose to power, the leader of the Coca-Cola Deutschland, Max Keith, ever the businessman, for Coca-Cola to succeed in Germany, he needed to steer away from Americana and market to a society with German ideals. Oh, no. So, we can see how this is going to go. Yeah. In 1936, the Olympic Summer Games were in Berlin. And like many brands in Germany at that time, the Coca-Cola brand appears next to swastikas on flags and were even seen on trucks at Hitler Youth rallies. And according to an article on the Business Insider, the ninth Annual Concessionaire Convention ended with Keith himself pledging to Coca-Cola and a SIG Heil to Hitler. Damn. Yeah.
1: I didn't expect that. I didn't either. Yeah, he is basically
2: like, drink Coca-Cola and put his hand to the air <gasps> and waved it around like he just my don't t- care.
1: We don't like mm-hmm. it either. Don't, oh my God. No. Mm-hmm. So Thanks, I hate Keith- it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But <I'll-> um <laughs> Yeah. So Keith
2: never actually formally joined the Nazi party. hmm um, That I knew. But some accounts basically have him absolutely willing to work with the Third Reich to benefit his company capitalism am i right oh, god so more he was focused on his business and his money and his check and not so much these social implications there was never an official tie to the nazi party with coca-cola ever just basically him kind of like putting seeds out there this one person um, yeah one person basically was trying to, he was being an opportunist Yes, um yeah. Coca Cola Insider
1: that they're yeah. <laughs> don't they sue us. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. So listen, Coca-Cola, oh, we know that you've made some serious changes and we are willing to surface level accept them. You okay. can sponsor yes. us too. That's cool. But yeah, yep. don't sue us. We're too poor.
0: <laughs> Way too poor. Oh, uh, Coca-Cola
2: actually told Business Insider that, quote, there is no indication that Keith collaborated with the Third Reich. End quote. Well, it's probably a cover-up, too. Allegedly. Actually, <laughs> yes. and, and then here comes where we're about to get to where Fanta comes from. Oh, Fanta. On December 7th, 1941, a day which will live in infamy. Oh, yeah. Um, Japan staged a surprise attack on Pearl Harbor. The day after the states declared a war on Japan... And in retaliation of that, Germany declared a war on America, which then caused America to declare a war on Germany.
1: That's so a war on December
2: 11th. It's one yeah, big war, apparently. Based on a tip or tap. Yeah, a tip for I think it was a world war, actually. That's what I heard. You know, yeah, one of those familiar. little things. It wasn't nothing but a thing. <laughs> on December 11th, 1941, the United States declared war against Germany. And now you're asking, But what the fuck does this have to do with Fanta? What the fuck does it have to do with Fanta? I just... Fanta, Fanta, everything. So the thing about war is that it effectively stops trading. Seeing as Germany was now an officially uh, enemy of the state, the Trading with the Enemy Act of 1917 enforced a full embargo. Keith had no way of getting any of the flavoring from the States to continue manufacturing Coca Cola in Germany. Now, remember, Keith was a businessman at heart and he was not one to be stopped. And that's on capitalism. To... Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was determined to still produce a drink, so he oversaw the creation of an exclusively German soft drink. He had chemists concoct the soda, not in a backyard, in their lab. So glad they had and, a laugh. Um he, they tried to get it a soda that was as close to Coca-Cola as you could get with basis basically food scraps. Everything in his soda was left over from different food industries. It was usually fruit pulp, the liquid byproduct of cheese curdling, amongst other things like apple fibers and whey. It sounds disgusting. Right. It was not a cola color, like that brown color that we would associate with a Coke, but as we would recognize it now, is more the coloring of a modern day ginger ale. Hmm. The name Fanta came when he asked his sales team to explore their fantasies while inventing oh. a name, and it was reported that someone yelled Fanta, and it stuck. So I do get why they would say Fanta because in German they would be more with the Fa but still, that's we're right. We're American um since uh phantom was the only option available to germans it spread quickly and since it was a very sweet drink it became a cooking staple for things like soups and stews given that the sugar rations in place during the war which we had here as well yeah. you were baking a pie or you made a cake it was once a year for our birthday and that was it you mm. couldn't have it for anything else so there's a lot of flavorless things uh mm. but that happens in a war Mm -mm. uh keith then used his connections in the third reich to oversee all plants in germany and conquered territories saving the subsidiaries from shuttering their doors the german branch sold three million cases before the war was over so then, keith was actually in it for the business and not himself when the war was over the production ceased and keith gave all the profits of his creation over to coca-cola
0: okay Keith seems a little uh, sus, though. Who has connections yeah. with
1: the Third Reich so casually? I just So then here's my thing yeah. about Keith. If I'm a parent and I cut my kid off, for whatever reason, we're in war, I can't send you anything, and you tell me that you went and did your own thing and you were basically helping out the Nazis, you and I have a problem. Uh yeah, I would have a huge problem if my kid was like, Yeah, we're just gonna heil Hitler,
2: you know. I'm gonna make some money today,
1: and yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> just sure. let it happen. No don't things. worry about it. Mom is just trying to make some money for the Nazis. God. Sorry, I was just Sorry. trying to make
2: friends. We we're just <laughs> hanging with the guys, Mom. Oh, <laughs> let me go play Fortnite. <laughs> so, what we now know as like orange soda, at Fanta, today is yeah. actually the product from a rebrand from Italy in 1955. It was a vibrant orange produced using local citrus ingredients. This partially enabled them to distance themselves from the Third Reich and make a profitable product. Okay, cool. And everything's swell now, right? No. Right? No. No.
1: Never no. forget. Never.
2: Never. In 2015, <laughs> In 2015, someone in marketing had to have been fired. After Coca-Cola launched an ad celebrating Fanta's 75th anniversary with a commercial in German, which when you look at the commercial, I mean, it seems like it's like, Oh, here we are. We're coming back. We're going to rebrand it just as less sweet and not with a bunch of trash. And we are going to rebrand this. We're going to give it out as a special thing. Right. Cool. Great. Only the, it said, quote, we are bringing back the feeling of the good old times with the new Fanta
0: classic. Oh, oh no, what what's the good old times? Oh, Apparently you know.
1: Nazi Germany. Oh no. Right. If you have no context, you think this is a really cute commercial and you say this is great. Yeah. Oh when, no. When <laughs> you yeah, get context, I mean, well- it's done. I, I I feel like that commercial
2: was more like, you know, when you're a kid, you know, sitting on the porch with your grandmother, like that type of thing. But oh, it's got very it It's giving me, like,
0: well. me super good old days vibes with the Confederate flag. Like, very make America great again vibes. Yeah. Very, very much, very much, very much stop the steel
2: vibes. Yikes. And just so you know, I had to watch the YouTube video of this and I actually did include the YouTube video in the show notes. But the comment section oh no. Is the comment section oh. and I'm not going to read them because some of them are fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> really gotta take care up. of yourself. <laughs> yes. So Self-care. um mm-hmm. and there you have Fanta and since it can't have a very like dark history to it I thought, well, we we thought we would spice it up. Brittany is going to talk about some of the things that Coke can do besides kill you. And
1: I'm <laughs> going to bring it to the kitchen. So, yeah, we're going to really quickly run through some things that you can do with Coca-Cola if you happen to have it in your home that is not drinking it because, so I was raised on Coca-Cola. There was Coca-Cola in my bottle when I was a baby. Oh, no, I'm yeah. calling CPS. I'm calling you. <laughs> Retro- <laughs> Call me on my mother. But this was such a common thing. You live in Georgia. You drink Coke. It's what you do. It is not good for your body. I'm just going to throw that out there. But it's good for a lot of other things, like cleaning your toilet bowl, like marinating meat or making barbecue sauce. That is actually really good. It really is. Yes. Rockpot. Yeah. Exactly. Apparently, you can use Coca-Cola to get milk stains out of clothes. And I saw a variety of sources gave me this. So listen, I just had a lot of problems with it. I don't, I've never had like a milk stain that would just like, oh, that pesky milk stain. Let me pour some some club soda on it. It Club soda. I don't know. It was weird. So I have done this. Um, You can loosen like nuts and bolts and things in your car or around. um, It's eating the metal. Well, so it like eats that rust out. I've used it on my car when I've had to change a tire and Uh I couldn't get the shit done by myself. Just poured some Coke on that. That's back in my soda drinking days. Apparently it will soothe stings and bites. If you put it on the afflicted area, it will help to soothe that out. Well, I um, did not know that one. Yeah, me neither. You can apparently use it just room temperature to defrost your windshield or, like, if you That'd have ice any on your windshield. room
2: temperature
1: product. Shut up, Windsor. We're talking about coke. <laughs> <probe. laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I'm going to text your mother and ask her to come get you because you're misbehaving. Mm-hmm. removing gum from your hair or the carpet again no. i just feel like we're making a lot of sticky stains but yeah. you can use it to if you put it on your hair yeah also you can use it for hair care apparently it people have used it in like a almost like a mask on their hair with a variety sticky and disgusting right variety yeah. of different outcomes most of the outcomes come or like volume so if you need some more volume in your hair I guess try Coca Cola. I'm not going to tell you that officially, though. Just just buy conditioner or something. I don't really know. You can use it for gardening. Apparently, azaleas and gardenias love Coca Cola. You can it help your azalea banks grow? Yes, it helps. Your- <laughs> God damn it, Dion! Says you can use it to clean up after a motorcycle accident. That is stressful. Ooh, that like was the oil. I don't know, but I had to remove oil stains from your driveway. This was just something I got out of the comment section. I am very stressed out about this right now. But that is now eleven things that you can do with Coca Cola that does not include putting it into your body. So oh, yeah,
0: yeah, but, I've definitely used it when you know, like my batteries all broke yeah, and yeah, we that drink in. that. Oh, it's such a sweet nectar of the gods when you're addicted, though.
1: It is. It's the cocaine. (laughs) not even in it anymore. Your body is like, yes, I'm supposed to drink this in excess and you have to be the one to say, you know what? I cannot do this to myself. Uh,
0: Oh, God, that went dark.
1: Yeah, Yeah. that got real dark.
0: (laughs) In the comments, if you're Patreon, shameless plug, you can comment in real time and the most... (laughs) recent comment was about the motorcycle but then dion added the the blood and viscera the oh god okay keep liters of coke on hand yikes yikes Uh, all right i actually
2: do have two quick recipe type things you can make i'm not going over all the recipes but i will link them to you if you want to eat them and these are not the tiktok ones that we have all seen and wanted to <laughs> vomit over no where she just like pours a can of coke in with some spaghettios and jello no oh, we're not doing God. that yeah so mm-hmm. nope you can make a cherry coke black forest cobbler ding 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 that was a random word <laughs> <laughs> To make this, all you need is one can of cherry coke, one package chocolate cake mix, two 21 ounce cans of cherry pie filling, and one package of chocolate chips. Oh, well, that
0: actually kind of sounds good. It does. Yeah,
2: that really does.
0: Good. Actually, I'm so hungry. This
2: next one. Oh, me too. I'm gonna get <laughs> snacks when we're done. Uh, the next one you can make with Fanta. Oh. You can make a Fanta pound cake with it has a Incredibly rich, buttery, tender texture with a slight orange flavor and orange from the Fanta and orange zest with a cream cheese topping. Mm -mm. No,
0: something
1: about that is not right.
0: Cream cheese just always makes me go, ooh.
2: (laughs) I do. It's it's basically like a carrot cake, I think, almost. But instead of it has soda in it. It's going to be a no for me.
1: Um Just a know for me but that's dog.
2: something you can make with Fanta, but I do I would eat that uh that cobbler
1: right, I think I should make that this weekend yeah. well, it'll be in her show notes, yeah, yeah, so all the recipes will be in her show notes well, I'm assuming yes.
0: like the soda flavor gets burned out
1: of everything or cooked out of it, right, so I'm assuming with so I once made, it, this is going to sound like the weirdest shit I have ever said. And I really <laughs> did this with a very distant cousin of mine. She made like a 7-Up cake that you poked holes in and then you poured the 7-Up in it. Oh, it yeah. was. I've never heard of this shit before, but whatever. And it did not taste like a soda drink. It's just kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know. So I'm assuming it gets kind of cooked out or whatever. Yeah, I've made the 7-Up biscuits. Yeah,
2: well, I mean they were using soda to flavor to I add sweetener recipe. to their stews okay. and stuff, so
1: Yeah, and I've I done mean, Dr. Pepper pulled pork before. Oh yeah, I've had that. When I used to eat pork, oh god, I pour soda at <laughs> all. I used out pour intake was wild oh my gosh <laughs> i have changed a lot we just oh, ordered yeah. a
0: smoker and i might be doing some of that Ooh, the smoker is the greatest thing we own yeah we got a smoker and we got a flat top griddle Ooh, yeah also, we're fancy i know you're gonna tell adulthood by the things that excite you mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. before yeah. you guys go uh plug your podcast where can they listen to
1: you where they can find you so like we said at the beginning, we are Thanks I Hate It. Um, you if you're still using websites, you can find us at T-I-H-I podcast dot com. Um, we are also on I wanna say all streaming platforms, but I'm probably missing like Pandora. I don't think we're on Pandora. So if you listen to podcasts on Pandora, then <laughs> we're not gonna be there. But I mean, literally Spotify if you type in Thanks I Hate It, there'll be one other podcast. That's five episodes. Not- does not get updated. And then there's us and our faces are on our icon. So that's how you'll know it us because it literally looks like us. Um, (laughs) Windsor did a great job with that, but we are on Instagram struggling over on Instagram. I believe it's under T I H I know. I think it's actually Thanks I hate it podcast. Let me check real quick. Oh my gosh. What does it say? (laughs) Oh, it is T I H I podcast. On Instagram, on Twitter. We have like a Facebook page, but y'all aren't going to get anything out of that. Listen, so <laughs> I mean never. there's nothing happening over there. There's nothing happening. It links to Instagram. That's <laughs> it. It tells you just to go visit the Instagram. What yeah. are you doing? So definitely check us out. We are most active on Twitter when we're active and Instagram when we're active we release episodes every tuesday so new episodes will start coming out again on april 27th um that'll be a true crime supernatural episode which is super cool i'm very excited for this upcoming episode but yeah we talk social issues we try to make it funny we try not to be assholes about it but it's like in our nature so sometimes we sound very assholey we love feedback so if you ever listen to an episode and you're like i have a different opinion i have a different thought or i have different information we love different information share it with us because just like kina with changing to eerie we will absolutely take information and if we need to make a change we are the ones that are going to do it so that's Mm -hmm. us i I
0: love that well thank you guys so much for joining me this has been a long time in the making and i'm just so excited (laughs) we are so excited and i'll invade your podcast anytime just just let know when and where i will be there
2: oh
1: we're
0: st-
2: we're, we're talking planning. the history of pro jobs <laughs> no that is not a thing I'm that really is going sure to
0: happen well it I might have, actually happen it i have done will. historical dicks as a whole episode so it's really not
1: i did look outside that.
0: my realm <laughs> It's my favorite to tell people because you can always tell if they're going to get cool real quick or if they're going to run.
1: <laughs> dicks of history. I like it. <laughs> Famous dicks.
0: Dick is what inspired the whole podcast. So it's fitting. <laughs> Famous dicks. I like it. I want to thank my guest. Thanks, I Hate It podcast again for joining me. Britt Windsor, I had such an amazing time with you and I can't thank you enough. And I can't wait to have you guys back on. All right. Time to shamelessly plug all my wares. <laughs> Starting with Patreon. If you want to watch these episodes live, comment along, ask questions, hang out, see all the deleted scenes and all the bloopers. There's always so many bloopers because words are hard, guys. They're so hard. You should join Patreon. That is patreon.com slash historical afpod. And we really are a family of just misfits that share this common bond of, you know, loving history and weird shit. And we need you, you know? Be a part of our chosen family. You won't regret it. And there's lots of benefits. You get extra content. You get things in the mail. You get to join the private Discord, the private Facebook. There's just so many benefits. You should check that out. It's patreon.com slash historicalafpod. If you'd like to buy some merch, you can go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash historicalafpod. There's some new stuff coming. And if you remember episode one way back when. We're going way, 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 way back. You know, the bunnies on snails with sticks poking stuff. There's there's stuff coming out. We have a historical AF marginalia coming to your eye holes soon. That's weird. Anywho, check that out. I also have an Etsy store with some podcast stuff on it. That is Etsy.com slash shop slash Creations. Creations with a K. We need your stories really bad, please. I need more desperately. So if you have a funny history nugget, a cool town legend, family history, a ghost story, an alien story, we've never had one of those. That'd be amazing. Send that to historicalafpod at gmail.com or you can DM me on social media, which by the way is historicalafpod across the board. And you can follow me on TikTok, do that ticky talkie thing. I normally do history content. I've been a little behind with everything going on, but I'm going to be putting stuff out very, very soon, and that is at Keena Leanne. I think that's it. If I forgot something, then oh well. <laughs> Thank you guys again for everything. I love you all so deeply. I'll see you next week for Inventions Part 2 with For the Love of History Podcast. Okay, bye! <laughs>